You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick. I'm the lead pastor here at Calvary, and we've got Rosemary, our youth director, this morning. Hello. Good morning. Uh, Real quick, uh, what the video you just saw is from our Calvary Cares campaign. If you're not familiar, you can get more information about our Calvary Cares campaign at calvarycarescampaign.org. But uh, through our Calvary Cares campaign, we give away tens of thousands of dollars to help support ministries and organizations all over the world. Uh, We also have trips that are going uh, this next year all over the world. And we'd love to have you join us in some way, whether it be going on a trip, giving to the Calvary Cares campaign, or even our Serve Saturdays we do every week where we get out in the community in our area and, and give of our time. It's a great opportunity to do that. And uh, that one you saw just right there uh, is one of, the ho- one of the projects this year that we're doing that we've adopted uh, as we're helping build homes in the Dominican Republic. You know, last year through our Calvary Cares campaign, we gave over 100, almost, almost $170,000 away as a church during a pandemic crazy stuff. So you guys are incredibly generous, and we're so grateful for that. Today, we are kicking off a series, and man, we are excited to have Rosemary uh, going to be kicking this series off. You guys excited? No, no one's excited. Sorry, Rosemary, not excited, but uh, before we jump into that, this past week, Rosemary turned 40, 30, 30, I'm just kidding, 30, she turned 30. We're not shooting any t-shirts into the uh, light Sorry. fixtures today. Yeah, no, no. Right? We're not gonna um, she anyone. really wanted to do that today as part of that, but I was like, we better not do that. We don't want to kill anybody today. Yeah, no. um, but uh, today's her 30th, so we, or this past week was her 30th. We want to sing happy birthday to you, and we've got something a little special here for you. Aww. So um, I a have a bad episode of Full House. Aww. Uh, we have a um, we have a policy. Our production team has a policy. It's mute on contact the moment I sing. So we're gonna sing Happy Birthday, but you guys are gonna have to carry it because as soon as I try, they're gonna mute me. Um, just the you know roll. It's like I think it's like an Alexa app we have set up with the uh, sound system. There you go. That um, it. Sorry if you're watching online. I just set off your Alexa, but. Um, <laughs> Alexa, set an alarm for 2 a.m. <laughs> See if that works. Um, so let's, let's sing together. If you guys can join me, sing Happy Birthday, Rosemary. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Rosemary. Happy birthday to you. You guys are awesome. That was Thank so good. Thank you. That was great. Harmonized very well. Thank you. You, you can leave it up here or whatever you want to do with it. H- Heidi, do you want to take it or do you want to? Sorry. you get it afterwards. Thank you. So wish, ha- wish Rosemary had birthday <laughs> online or uh, if you're watching on Facebook, give her your best birthday message. Um, it will mean a lot to her. Uh, 30 did not hurt as bad as everyone said it would. It didn't. That's it good. Didn't, it didn't, I didn't wake up with like back pain or anything. No. I just jinxed myself, I think. It's all right. 40, 40 might. 40? 40. You, you would know, know all about that. I would know all about that. Too much about it. <laughs> so today we're kicking off this series I mentioned called Scars. And really throughout the next month, what we're talking about are the pains of our past. And you know, we all have certain things that maybe mistakes that we've made that have brought pain into our lives. Even sometimes mistakes made against us. And, and here's, here's kind of our uh, maybe crazy, bold idea. 
It's that our pain, our mistakes, the wounds of our past, with God's help, can actually be a roadmap of our redemption. That as you look back over your past and the scars that you carry, emotionally, relationally, physically, they become a, a picture of how, what God has brought you through. And uh, over this month, we're going to be talking about some different stories in Scripture and, and, and personal stories of how God has been good and, and God has, may have brought us through scars and painful moments in life, but he's bringing us through a place toward a place of redemption. Next Sunday, you're not going to miss this, we are going to be joined by pastor and author Anthony Torres. Uh, Anthony just released a book uh, this year called Letters to My People, and uh, it's a book uh, sharing his journey through addiction toward freedom. And uh, man, next week, he is incredibly gifted, and you guys are not going to miss this. Um, he's going to be sharing just a message of hope about how even in the pains uh, and the struggles of things like addiction, you can find hope. So that's next week. He's going to have his book available, too, if you want to purchase that, called Letters to My People. So that's Anthony Torres next week. The week after that, the 21st, is our Hero Sunday. Uh, that day, we are going to be uh, honoring all of our first responders and veterans throughout the area. We're going to have a touch a truck with all the fire trucks and police cars and everything in the in the. Uh, not in the sanctuary. That'd be really cool. That'd be cool. That would be cool. I don't know if operations would be okay with that, though. I don't though. know if operations Rolling would be okay a fire truck. Where's Delana? <laughs> Delana, operations? That's cool. Well, I don't know about that. Um, but uh, in the parking lot, we're going to have all those trucks for the kids to kind of enjoy, and the kids are going to be encouraged to dress up in their favorite superhero outfits that morning. Um, but we're going to be joined also with a guest. His name is Carlos Evans. Uh, Carlos was a Marine stationed in Afghanistan. And uh, as he was on duty uh, making his rounds, he stepped on an IED. The IED blew off both of his legs and his left hand. And uh, just an incredibly tragic moment. And uh, that Sunday on the 21st, he's going to be sharing what was really painful and difficult and the hope and purpose that God has brought through that journey. Uh, so that's the 21st. Invite a friend. That's going to be a really special day. And then we're going to close out the series the end of this month talking about the thorns in the flesh that Paul writes about in 2 Corinthians that we walk with a limp sometimes but God still gets us through that when we are weak he is strong. So that's going to be this series. Uh, we're really excited. So invite someone. Uh, there's some invitation cards on your way out this morning. It's going to be a great. But this morning, this morning, we're talking about pain and promise, and uh, I'm going to hand it off to, to Rosemary to kick us off today. All right. Hello. As you said, my name is Rosemary. I'm the youth director here at Calvary. Yes. Thanks, Matt. I love the encouragement. Um, and as you said, today we are going to be talking about how God transforms our pain into promise. <clears throat> On February 15th, 2012, I was inside a subway in Mount Pleasant with my best friend, Marge. We were sitting there because our friend had worked there and I had just graduated from Laurel Business Institute with my license in cosmetology. I had also just got hired on at my dream job at Philip Lucy Hair Salons and I was totally excited. We were talking and celebrating. Everything was falling into place. I worked three jobs while I was in college. Um, I couldn't afford to be in college without working three jobs. So I worked my butt off day in and day out to be able to afford to stay in school. And with my hard work and sacrifices made by my parents, thanks mom, <laughs> we did it. We'd made it through. And all that hard work was about to pay off with my dream job. My life was falling into place. I was 20 years old, ready to embark on a journey that was going to project me into the future that I had always dreamed of and that I've always wanted. This was my foundation and I was ready to run and take off. Marge and I got into the car to leave Subway. We were going to meet our friend at her house so that she could change out of her uniform, and then we were all going to go to a bonfire that night at another friend's house. 
Now, if you're familiar with the Scottsdale, Mount Pleasant area, there's a section where it passes over 119 and the two towns connect. Marge and I had just gotten gas and we were en route to our friend's house. As we were crossing over 119, everything slowed down. You know that part in the movie where something tragic's about to happen and everything goes real slow? That happens in real life, believe it or not. I saw a trailblazer flying up the on-ramp, going way too fast to stop at the red light that he had. I was going way too fast to stop at the green light that I had. I had about 20 seconds to decide how I was going to handle this situation that was about to happen in front of me. I could keep on keeping on at the pace I was going, but that would be no news or no good news for Marge, who was sitting in my passenger side seat as this trailblazer would smash into her at 50 miles per hour. I could gas it and try to race him through the light and beat him, but again, that risked him just plowing into the side of my car. So the conclusion I came up with was the following. I yelled at Marge and I told her to brace herself. She literally went like this. (laughs) I'm like, all right, Marge. So that's what she did. She hugged herself, closed her eyes, and she probably prayed a little bit. I shift my car, it was a six-speed, into first gear and just slammed on nothing but the brake, hoping that I would stall my car out in time to stop. While I'm doing this, I was cutting my wheel to the right, hoping maybe I could turn sideways as he passed us, and I was honking my horn. That's when the collision happened. I smashed into his right, well, his driver's side, so it's left, Sorry, I don't know my left and right. I smashed into his driver's side rear wheel well, say that three times fast, and the airbags deployed. It was an abrupt stop. There was dashboard pieces everywhere. My phone went flying, and my right arm went completely numb. I remember thinking the car was smoking due to all the powder that was on the airbags. I was freaking out. We were panicking. I asked Marge if she was okay. She said she was pretty much okay. She got a bloody lip from the dashboard, but she was fine for the most part. I told her I thought I was okay, but my arm was numb, which was really weird. I looked back up and I saw nothing but the taillights of the man who just hit us as he was getting right back down onto the highway. Little did he know that he just uprooted my entire world as I knew it, and I'd never be the same again, but he just continued on with his day. We got out of the car, called 911 and our moms, because that's just what you do, right? I'm like, mom, help. I remember the next 10 minutes were the longest 10 minutes of my life. And this part of the story is super ironic because if you remember, I just said how slow those 20 seconds went, right? They slowed down. It was 20 seconds. Felt like 10 minutes. These 10 minutes also went super slow. Felt like three hours. We were standing there on the little median, you know, the little triangular one that holds the red lights, as people were going around my car. They were just running over the smashed parts of my car as if nothing had happened as we stood there and listened to the crunch. No one stopped for five minutes. For five minutes, people just drove around the carnage of what was left of my Ford Escort and went on with their evenings. People, please promise me at least one thing, that if you roll up on a car accident and there's no emergency vehicles or anybody else stopped, at least wind down your window and see if everybody's okay. It was cold. It was February. Let me sit in your car for a minute. (laughs) Finally, a volunteer firefighter who was off duty was just driving by, stopped. He asked if we were okay and started to throw road flares out and direct the traffic. I remember standing on that median, cold, terrified, and anxious, 
for what was going to come next. I remember saying to Marge that I just wished that the ambulance would get there already because I was stressing out. I'm not sure what was wrong with my arm at this point, but I knew that it felt like it was probably really bad. She said, I know. She said, but they're coming. They're coming. Just, just stay strong. They're coming. Then just like that, I started to hear the wee-woos wailing in the distance of the ambulance, and hope was on its way. The EMTs arrived, and they asked me how I was. I told them I was fine, except I thought there was something wrong with my arm. I had on a big coat, so I didn't look at it, but it was completely numb, and that was really starting to freak me out. So he helped me out of my peacoat, slowly removing the sleeve from my arm, and I will never forget his face as he saw my arm or the sentence that he said. He said, oh yeah, honey, this is no longer an arm. Viewer discretion is advised. That's my flipper. That sentence was, that sentence was the end of everything I worked so hard for and the beginning of a life that I never asked for and never wanted. See, what had happened was when the airbag deployed, I was honking the horn and the force from the airbag was so great that it immediately turned both of my bones and my wrist to dust. Right? I was transported to one hospital where they gave me some really solid drugs and I remember asking my mom if I could buy them on the street And she yelled at me. (laughs) So even through this, I was still 100% me. They then determined that I was way too bad, in way too bad of condition for them to be able to help me, so I was then transported to a hospital in the city. I remember the weirdest thing, though, was that I didn't cry. This whole time, I didn't cry until the second night in the hospital. I convinced my mom to go home and get some sleep that night. She was very stubborn about it. There's me. I looked... That's great. I look so attractive. (laughs) I finally convinced her to go home, and she caved, and she said her goodbyes. And after she left, I felt the weight of everything that I was holding up come crashing down, and I cried. I cried harder than I think I've ever cried in my life. I was alone. I didn't have to be okay for anybody. I didn't have to worry about anybody worrying about me even more than they already were. I could just finally mourn the loss of everything I just lost. My arm, my career, everything came crashing down. As I was sitting there, gross sobbing, you know the type, like snot, just everywhere, (laughs) just like a spigot, my nurse came in, and there's only two things that I really remember about him. One, he was super nice, and two, he was Jamaican, so he had a very thick accent. He walked in, he looked at me, and then he turned around and he walked right back out. (laughs) And I remember laying there thinking, wow, I must look real repulsive. This is great, it's going great. Then he came back in with a box of tissues. He put them in my lap, I laughed and I apologized. He just smiled and he told me it was okay to be scared. And I told him I wasn't so much scared as I was anxious. I didn't know what I was gonna do now. I had my state boards coming up to test for my license. I just got hired at a hair salon. I didn't have a car. My student loans were gonna be coming due since I graduated. I was big time stressing. He sat down and he asked me the most random question. He said, do you believe in God? I looked at him like he was insane. And I said, I'm not sure, to be honest. I mean, I think I do. I don't think we just wound up here by accident, but I'm not sure what I believe. He said, do you have a Bible? I told him I was sure I did somewhere at some point in time in my life. And he said, in times like these, 
when I'm not sure what's happening and I feel like I've lost control, I talk to God. It makes me feel less alone. He said they're talking about your arm and the best course of action, whether that be amputation, plates and bolts, or experimental surgery. And he said, can you make me a promise that if God gets you out of this situation and you're 80% normal, little did he know I never started out normal, (laughs) you'll get a Bible as thanks to him. Again, I looked at him like he was insane, but I told him that if God got me out of that situation, I'd at least get a Bible. Now, I want to stop there with my story for a minute and jump to another one. Now, I feel a lot like my grandma because she jumps from story to story, but bear with me because it's going to get good. This is a story from the Old Testament that's not a real popular one. It's kind of a hidden gem, if you will. In the year 1015 BC, Jonathan, son of King Saul, had a son named Mephibosheth. Everybody say that with me. Mephibosheth. Exactly. So if I mess it up, that's why. Now, the name Mephibosheth itself means out of the mouth of shame. So this man's name alone is associated with shame. At the age of five, Mephibosheth lost his father, Jonathan, and his grandfather, King Saul, in battle. And as his nurse was fleeing with Mephibosheth, she dropped him. As a result of this fall, he became lame in both of his feet. In 2 Samuel 4.4, it says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the rightful heir to the throne, was now lame and valueless in the kingdom in only a matter of seconds. With King Saul and Jonathan dead, Mephibosheth was next in line and would have been king, but he was now lame in both of his feet. He would have sat on his grandfather and father's throne, but now he was lame in both of his feet. He would have been sitting at the king's table every day, but he was lame in both of his feet. Does anyone know what it's like to be damaged goods? To be crying for years? To be traumatized for years? Mephibosheth would soon move to the Jewish town of Lodabar. Lodabar translates to nothingness or barren. Mephibosheth didn't just lose the function of his legs, but he lost his self-worth, he lost his self-confidence, he lost his purpose, and he lost his identity. Has anyone here experienced that? Have you ever been walking a path that your 100% was projected was projecting you into the best possible future that you could imagine. You're just strolling along and you're living your life and you're so excited and you're almost there and everything is right in reach and then bam, something happens and you have to go the whole way back to point one, ground zero, start all over again and figure out what you're gonna do with the pieces that are left of your life. Man, I have. I've been there. And do you know what follows that? Depression, soul-crushing, earth-shattering, life-shaking depression. And I know most of you look at me in my loud, extroverted, funny demeanor, but I promise you that I know what depression feels like. I know what depression is. I've walked the valley of depression time and time and time again. But this five years... I felt it stronger than ever in that season of transition. They were the hardest years that I've ever had to walk through. 
feeling like I had lost my purpose, my worthiness, and my value. I was walking through my own Lodabar. I was nothing. I was a burden to everybody. I had to rely on people to help me to do pretty much anything. Getting dressed in the morning, forget about it. Try to button pants with one arm. It ain't happening. I didn't have a car, so anytime I needed to go somewhere, I needed to rely on friends or family. I, um, I didn't have an arm, so things as basic as opening a jar of mayonnaise or pickles was out of the question. They eventually decided to do an experimental surgery on my arm. It took three operations, total spread out over three years. My arm is pretty cool now, though. It looks like the inside of a clock and operates the same. I have gears that make up my wrist mechanism, and it gives me the rotation that I have, and I have two titanium rods that make up my ulna and my radius bones. The only thing that I can't do is go palms up, so that's, I'll take it. I'm pretty much a bionic woman. God got me through that situation. God got me through that depression. God made sure I also got the Bibles. I got plenty of them if you heard that story. And God helped Mephibosheth as well. In 2 Samuel 9, it says, David asked, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and asked, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king said, is there no one else alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both of his feet. Now let me pause there for a minute. What's really interesting about this story is before Ziba ever even tells David this young man's name, he mentions he is lame in both of his feet. Mephibosheth's identity was no longer tied to the name that he was given at birth, but the pain that was brought upon him in life. Continuing on, 2 Samuel. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is in the house of Machir, son of Amamel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amamel, when Mephibosheth's son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and, I, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mes Mep yep, there we go. Mephibosheth. I was doing so good, man. Doing so good. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both his feet. 
Now let me bring this back to present day. For me, there was a dream that I was holding on to. It was a dream that I was convinced would become a reality and had worked really hard to see that happen. And in one second, it was all taken away from me. Maybe you walked into church today with shattered dreams. Maybe things you aspired to do as a child or a teenager only to only have life rip them from your hands. And that can be incredibly painful. And it can be incredibly discouraging. But can I tell you something I've only learned now looking back? It's something that we see unfold in this story of Mephibosheth. And it's that when our pain meets God's promise, God's purpose unfolds. Now let me preface this with, I don't believe God brought that guy into my past to bring me, in, bring me any harm to my life. I don't believe God caused that nurse to drop Mephibosheth. And I don't believe God brought the pain, the sorrow, the darkness that maybe you've walked through in your own life. But what I do know is when God is brought into the equation, we are given a choice again. Without God, it can feel like the world is out to get us, that our destiny is pain, destruction, or failure. But when you invite the ultimate hero, Jesus, into your story, what's possible in the future is totally transformed. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Today, you may be frustrated, discouraged, or dejected because of what has happened to you or what you have been brought to or what has been brought into your life. And your response has been to give in to your circumstances. You've accepted what has happened and have determined it will define the rest of your story. But there's a king that's calling your name, and he's saying, I want you to be a part of my family, not because of anything that you've done, but because of my affection for you. He's inviting you to his table to take part in all the beauty heaven can offer. He's saying, I want to give you a choice, not a choice to choose to let your circumstances dictate your future, but with all your scars and wounds, God wants to help you write a different story, a story where your scars are not the obstacle, but they are the evidence of God's redemption of your past and the seemingly impossible ending that he is writing for your life. Some of you here today are joining us online. You may know exactly what I'm talking about when I say God transforms because you've seen him do that in your own life. You're living, walking, breathing proof of that. He's healed those wounds and he left you with beautiful scars. Others of you though, you may be stuck in the middle of your own Lodabar and you're not sure how to get out. I'm here to tell you, you have a choice. If you're here and you've never taken that step toward Jesus, I wanna give you the opportunity to make that choice. So will everyone stand with me and pray? God, we stand here before you today, Lord. We thank you for the chance to choose you, God. We thank you for healing the wounds in our life, Jesus, and turning them into beautiful scars that are proof of your redeeming power, Lord. You meet us where we're at, Jesus, at every crossroad, every roadblock, and every transition, Lord, you are there and you are ever-present, God, walking with us through those tr transitions and those hard times, Jesus. As you're continuing to pray, if you have wounds that need to be healed and pain that you need transformed, God is giving you this invitation to be part of his family, to sit at his table. With all your baggage and your issues, God welcomes you with open arms. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life and rose again, not to start a religion, but to make your transformation possible. 
If that's you today, in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to reach your hand toward heaven as an act of your will to say, I want to accept that invitation to be a part of the family of God, to sit at his table. One, two, three. Yes, amen, Jesus. Just raise those hands. Accept that invitation to God's table. If you raised your hand, I just want to congratulate you on choosing to take that step towards God. Everyone, let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me and welcoming me today. I accept your forgiveness through Jesus. I commit to live for your purposes. Give me the strength and the courage to follow you all the days of my life and to show your love to the world around me. In your gracious name, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.